Hi, it's Jen. I'm just popping in here at the beginning to say that this episode's audio quality isn't quite where we'd like it to be. We had some technical difficulties while we were recording, and our amazing audio editor, Oliver Moore, has done his best to cloudy it up. And we're going to put it out anyway, because I think that my conversation with Alex is really useful. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of More Than Marketing. Today, uh, we have our very first guest. <laughs> our very first non-consortium More Than Marketing person is Alex Barr, referred bounce. Alex is a commercial consultant and a business development coach, and he has spent the last 25 years working with professional sales firms and individuals, supporting them as they generate more profit and faster growth. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Hey, Jen, how are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Excited to talk to you. I have heard great things. I really? Oh, wow. (laughs) Everybody is very uh, positive about uh, what you bring to business and uh, the impact that you have on people. So super excited to hear what you have to say. We think we're calling this episode Coffee to Client because today we're going to be talking about the classic way that law firms get business, which is like a nice lunch and then a little bit of hope, which I think you would agree is probably not the best strategy for 2023-2024. To me, it feels very polite and maybe a little bit Victorian in terms of it being based in legal tradition of we don't ask for work, it just comes to us. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, there are some great people uh, and some great skills and talent in law firms, but it is a common thread, I think, came up in the workshop that I was doing with uh, the consortium guys. Lara just threw it out there as a as a comment about from coffee to client. And I think it does reflect the reality of just how uncomfortable experts in general, not just lawyers, mm-hmm. find anything that looks like a sales type of conversation. It's just massively outside of their comfort zone. It's awkward and clunky and cringy <laughs> and yeah, it's a common thread. You know, people I trained for seven years and all that money to, to get my qualification and now I'm just a salesperson. <laughs> what do you mean I've got to go and find my own work? Isn't that marketing's job? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's not uncommon because you're right, like the focus has been on the study and the knowledge and the skill involved in providing whatever service it is. There there is almost nothing <laughs> You know, you're, no, no, it's no part of your law degree or your accountancy courses that are said that's like, okay, here's a quick minute to talk about how to sell. Yeah, it's a common thread. If I'm doing some more broader work around fixing commercial performance, it's really notable that no one's had any training around the commercial stuff from, you know, one, two, three year PQE guys all the way up to uh, HODs and equity partners. I think there's that been that weird generational shift that says it used to be that being a lawyer and being a law firm was enough to bring work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then kind of marketing was the answer. And then kind of this thing called BD raised its head and people defaulted to, well, we go for, we play golf with the local accountants. Mm-hmm. The gin and tonic sort of strategy. Yeah. You know, get them drunk once a year and <laughs> hope they keep on giving you the good stuff. Then BD extended into kind of going to networking with strangers. And then that was it. There doesn't seem to be anything other than that, that that's in their kind of kit bag. Mm. So for me, I was just really aware that having worked with law firms for quite a long time, that there is this kind of fear that's wrapped around anything commercial or business development or salesy. 
that comes about and it then it doesn't need to be like that there is a way of doing this in a really nice way that adds loads of value mm-hmm. but it's just something that i think doesn't appear very often you mentioned there what you call the gin and tonic strategy the the hope and the prayer after a really good night out or a uh, a really heavy day on the golf course could you tell us why specifically you think that that doesn't doesn't cut it anymore as somebody that likes gin and tonic and <laughs> used, used to like golf until i got just so bad i couldn't go out anymore. <laughs> the social bonding thing is important mm-hmm. and i'm definitely not saying that people should stop that or stop inviting me to you know, drinks <laughs> because i like all that stuff um but you've got to like someone to particularly if you're looking at a referral partnership kind of kind of space uh, the social bit is important people are unlikely to refer work to you or, or give you work if they are the client um if they don't like you much no matter what what you what it says in chambers about you or anything else or how good your marketing is, if they didn't like you much, you're probably not going to get that much work from them as a rule of thumb. But it's all of the other stuff that, that is is normally missing. So whether that's if you're working with the referral partners, whether that's uh, how you educate, how you inspire, how you communicate with them on the professional stuff, reporting um, things like that. But specifically, if you're looking at the end client stuff, it's for me, it's it's about how do you ask really really good questions okay interesting so i mean we both know that part of the problem is is that it's not a one and done thing you can't just say oh we've had lunch with this client and then we'll move on we've had lunch with this referrer Mm -hmm. so that's it that's our work done for the year it's ongoing it's uh, as any relationship is built on communication it's one of the kind of the, the things I hear the despair a little bit, which is they know where we are. Ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You met them once and you had a nice conversation about the football or the golf or the rugby or the, or the whatever. You didn't have a deep conversation. You didn't have a strategic conversation. No. The other thing I hear is, is um, market forces when it comes to pricing strategy and things like that. Yeah, I think when it comes to asking the right question, I think there's, there's, there's a way of structuring a conversation that is of value uh, in its own right. And it reflects the values of the people involved. Okay. So something that I think is really important is to recognise that sales isn't what most people think it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I do a kind of word association uh, thing with a group of lawyers, you normally hear, if you mention sales, people normally think of, if they're old enough, they think about the Arthur Daly, uh, double glazing sales, <laughs> uh, car sales, timeshare sales, yeah. all of that mm-hmm. really pushy, aggressive stuff. It came over from the US in the kind of early 1980s into the UK and doesn't suit UK audience at all in any way, shape or form. It feels unpleasant to be on the receiving end of. And it feels even worse if you're trying to do it on the delivery end. Yes. And obviously, you drop a lawyer in that mix and it's just awful and clunky and they just don't do it. So they just... Mm-hmm. So I think uh, lawyers need to get better at the broader understanding of clients' businesses if it's B2B their ability to ask the right questions. I mean, that for me is what defines your value. Your value is defined in the questions that you ask, not the answers that you give. So I have been reading a lot of Agatha Christie recently, particularly Poirot. And so Poirot's like, the bulk of Poirot's stories are like, you know, mid-30s to like late 50s. And there is, every time a solicitor or a lawyer appears or an accountant appears in these stories, their sort of approach to, as you said, the assumption that they know that we're there feels familiar to me from real life. Mm. And also the thing that you're saying about the 1980s American sales pitch, 
that is also familiar to me. I have also experienced that in my life. And what we're trying to do is find the middle ground between yeah. a solicitor in an Agatha Christie novel and, a, you know, a 1980s Californian. <laughs> what, what terrible embodiment of the, of the profession. We're trying to find the happy medium yeah. between the 1930s and the 1980s. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see if we can at least get it up to the uh, maybe the 1990s, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Early 2000s. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's um, uh, there are reasons for that, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's the tradition, you know, and the, the culture is really, uh, really important, both in the sense of like, oh, the American sales approach doesn't work in England, obviously. But, you know, like the tradition of these practices is like really long and really storied. And then, you know, I think a lot of uh, solicitors in particular might react a little bit defensively when you say sales, because they imagine the American car salesman approach, and then they think of the SRA, and then they start to get scared. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite profound. I mean, it starts to uncover, you know, you physically see people shudder <laughs> being on, on the end of something. I mean, I, I still do. I still agonise about whether to say the, the S word or not, because it conjures up that reaction. I mean, there's some law society stats. 50% of the general population don't know when uh, they should hire a lawyer Mm -hmm. or how they should hire a lawyer. And I think that's probably a massive overestimation. I think it's probably even far lower than that. So the problem with that is if, as a lawyer, you're not good at helping your client realise when they should or when they could need you, then that causes a problem. You have a duty of care to your client. Yeah. The other issue that comes in tandem with that, if you think about cross-selling, which is the perennial sort of challenge within law firms, and I still don't know why, uh, the cross-selling piece um, is, well, people who are experts genuinely like being an expert in something. Mm-hmm. So they invest a lot of time and effort in knowing a lot about their subject matter. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Accordingly, they don't like talking about things that they're not an expert in. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, even... You know, if you take um, commercial property versus corporate, there's still that that dividing line. Even though those two departments should work hand in hand, or really be part of the same function, in my view, there's still that difference where they they won't stray onto each other's turf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as a consequence, they won't talk about well, you know, okay. So when you're thinking about exiting your business, that matters from a commercial property point of view because it's great if all the leases can line up. To that to that exit point, it makes the deal a lot a lot neater and a lot tidier. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that firms can do around this. Um, but again, it comes back to being really good at asking questions and broader questions about the business, about the individual. And again, it's the cheesy old stuff about that says, "Well, are you file focused or are you focused on the individual?" Because it's very easy to be blinded by this is a piece of work I have been engaged to do, and you follow all the stuff that you were taught how to how to deliver that piece of work. But it's only when you take a step back and go, hang on, there's a human being at the end of this. Even if you're in, in WEP um, and somebody says, oh, yes, I've got a business. Well, WEP lawyers traditionally tend to be uncomfortable in asking questions about that business. What's the turnover? How many people work there? What sector is it in? Mm-hmm. You know, you have a shareholders agreement. When was the last time you reviewed? Whatever. So I think there's a broader piece of business education that needs to take place and just building some confidence and skills and process 
around those broader sales conversations? So I've, I've got two questions, I think, or maybe they're the same. Um, I was going to ask you, so, you know, if you're a managing partner and you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, we should totally be doing more of the quote unquote sales. Yeah. Like what are a couple of things that you would start with in, in terms of turning towards the people that you work with and being like, let's, let's make things better for us. Let's improve what we're doing. And then I was going to say, uh, it's I think, like, ideally, you want a relationship with your client. So, you know, the stuff about uh, asking if they have a business and how many people work for them, would it be beneficial to you to know that about your client? Because, not just because they're your client, but because they're a person. <laughs> yeah, it's your job. Yeah. The job is to understand the well-rounded human being that sits before you. Um, I, I do think there's a duty of care, whether there's a PI risk in, in not, not asking some of these questions. Yeah, I think that, um, some things that can t- take place here, I definitely think that firms should, uh, or departments should educate each other, because it's great practice to sit in front of somebody and go, this is what a good client looks like. These are some really great good questions to ask. This is why I ask these questions. Mm-hmm. This is what comes from knowledge of this particular area so whether you do that as lunch and learns whether you bring somebody like me in you might have somebody in the in the business normally an equity partner because that's normally how they got to be an equity partner who is great at finding and winning work Mm -hmm. challenge with that will come when uh you say how do you do that because normally most people say i just talk to people (laughs) Uh, i do a mix of uh tech startup and law firms as as a target market if you go along with the founders um they all say they just talk to people but the reality is they've got a sales process. Mm-hmm. They've got stages that they go through. They've got little stories. They've got questions that they ask. Um, but the most notable thing is the questions are really good. Yeah. They're really good. They're really focused. And it's difficult for people who are not shareholders, founders, equity partners to copy that route. Mm-hmm. It's often a mistake because the founder has the freedom to do almost whatever the hell they like <laughs> and that confidence that comes from them. Mm-hmm. So you almost need to build a slightly different method, um, particularly with younger lawyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But all of the good stuff out there, out there. So getting departments to present to each other, having monthly, you know, cross-pollination conversations. These are my five best new clients. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. You know, doing things like cross-selling within products. Okay. So, you know, Resi at the point of sale should include a 10, 15-minute review of uh, wills and trusts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it creates the perception of more value and is actually more valuable than wait till the end. Yeah, and also as part of the duty of care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I actually think it's, it's, it's a huge issue. You run the stats and go, how many Resi clients got their wills done? If the answer isn't, you know... Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> You have a problem. You, mm. have, you have failed in your duty of care. But there's a bunch of other stuff about how do you, you build those deeper relationships with clients. Uh, I'd say a lot of it is uh, it's a missing piece of education around this because you, you were never taught this at university. And more so now post-COVID where you have that entire generation of lawyers who are used now to three days or two days a week from home and they have kind of, you know, a year off, a year working from home. So they've they've not even picked up the bare bones by osmosis of being in the room with somebody having sales conversations, negotiation. They're not having proper file review. So there's no awareness of managing scope group. Mm-hmm. There's no managing um, pricing negotiations or pricing strategy. There's even the bare bones that used to happen just by being in the same room as somebody who could do it hasn't happened 
it's not being fixed. So law firms really have stored up this problem and soon these people are going to be heads of department and not going to know how to do this. So that either means that marketing is going to have to rescue everybody, which I'm sure Lara and Consortium will be <laughs> absolutely thrilled by that as a concept and they'll do a great job at it. Somebody's got to convert the leads and somebody's got to, you know, take those clients on a journey through the firm and a journey through the experts that can help them. And at the moment, it is absent, most firms. So I think the big takeaways from our conversation are that sales is not necessarily the nasty car salesman approach. Not necessarily. You mean not necessarily? <laughs> Definitely isn't. Well, I assume there are car salesmen out there still who act like that. So, you know, in broad terms, sales as a as a as a broad term, not necessarily the car salesman. It's about instead actually caring and providing that really good customer service, right? When it's founded in your relationship with your client and knowing them beyond the scope of the single project that they come to you for. What you're actually doing is you're helping your client to understand if they need you or not. And if you ask really, really great questions, mm-hmm. you and the client will know that. One thing I've never been an advocate of because it doesn't work um, is saying you must sell to everybody. It's a sales method called ABC. That's the American one, one of the American ones that came over. I got trained and it was horrible when I was a keen and eager 19-year-old. And you suddenly realise that your job is to find out if they need you. And if they don't, you can say so. You can actually say to somebody, based on everything you've said, I think you're okay. I don't think you need me. They'll love you for it. Yeah. It's really nice. And they'll feel confident. It also wins you points. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's great. That's your only job. But if somebody does need you, then you'll have helped them realise that. You know, you'll have helped them realise that you are the right sort of lawyer, you're the right sort of firm to, to help them with this problem that they probably didn't even know they had. Yeah. Sales is not antithetical to good service. It is good service. Yeah, exactly that. It feels <laughs> really nice. Being helped to buy something feels lovely. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the car salesman saying, oh, you said you've got kids. How old are they? Oh, OK, still in, still in a buggy pushchair. Should we find out if your pushchair will fit in the boot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, oh, okay, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, of course, I hadn't even thought about that. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It feels like good service, and it is something that you can do that ref- in a way that reflects your personal values. You wouldn't want someone to feel pushed. You know, like, I'm going to help you understand if you need me or not. Yeah. And if you don't, I'll send you somewhere else, or I'll, you know, say you're fine. Good luck with everything. Talk to you later. <laughs> Um, Alex, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been really insightful. If anybody wants your help to provide good service, um, how would they find you? You can Google Third Bounce and hopefully I should pop up. There's lots of moody looking black and white pictures of me on my website that I don't like much. Um, but yeah, Third Bounce, um, www.thirdbounce.co.uk. Um, and there's a Calendly plugin as well. So you can even book a book a slot directly. And super worth it, clearly. <laughs> Um, thank you very much everybody for listening Um, if you enjoyed this then uh, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and we would be very appreciative if you would give us a rating or subscribe wherever you do those things Uh, we have a newsletter which sends you the podcast episodes straight to your inbox when they release so very convenient and also we put in a bunch of other advice like 
the good stuff that Alex has been giving us today. So if you found this useful, then um, check us out at consortiumbiz.co.uk forward slash newsletter. And if you would like to be on the show or if you have any questions, then uh, feel free to email me. I'm at podcast at consortiumbiz.co.uk. All of those links are all around wherever this is posted if um, you need them. Uh, Alex, thank you so much. This has been a great chat, very insightful. um, And I'm excited to hear how people put your thoughts to work. Thanks, Jim.